0: Time now for another Thrash By Radio podcast. This is where I get to celebrate the pure rock years of KNAC-FM, Southern California's heavy metal flagship. Today, this is another one of my favorite kind of uh, e- editions. is it, um, another edition of KNAC Graduates. So with me for the podcast today is a friend. And we'll get to the pun where that goes in a little bit. Uh, Phil Hewlett, otherwise known as Filthy Phil.
1: Well, let me uh, scrape my tassel away out of the the way of the microphone to say, uh,
0: hey, Thrash Pie, my favorite guy. Thanks. Guess who named me that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you did. Did I? Yes, you did. And in fact, I walked in the first day, everybody was celebrating Halloween with blood and axes in their heads and everything. Yeah. You're sitting there in your little cubby hole in the sales department, mm-hmm. and you asked me, after I'd been just sort of introduced around, what's your name going to be on the air? And I said, Thrasher. And you went, "Trash Pie. Uh. And it was that, that, that was it <laughs> right there. And I made all those rhymes and hooks and everything yeah. from that. Moment on. Tell me what was, well, how did you get started with KNAC?
1: Well, uh, let's see. Uh, It was, in fact, my first sales job convincing uh, Nikki Randolph, who was the sales manager at the time, uh, to hire me. Uh, However, I wouldn't have known she was looking for work unless uh, a, a high school, a college friend of mine, Kevin Glenn, who happened to work over there? Long Beach State. At Long Beach State. He uh, worked at uh, KNAC. I believe he was the co-op advertising manager.
0: Forgotten what it was. I knew Kevin.
1: He was in sales, and uh, never mind what co-op advertising mm-hmm. is. But he was uh, he was in sales. He had a, specif- a specific type of sales job, and he let me know that there was a job opening over there. And uh, it was in sales. I'd, I'd done telephone sales before, you know, calling people up, telemarketing, that sort of thing. And I wasn't bad at it for uh, like a, two weeks at a time right. because I'd get burned out calling 60 people sure. an hour. But I thought, all right, maybe I've got the skills for that. And I love radio. Let me just get my foot in the door of KNAC because I have a history with it. When I was in high school, I used to hang out with the DJs.
0: Oh, but you also did college radio.
1: I did college radio. I ran the college radio station. Kevin was there as well, and and, uh, uh, and I had a little radio station at my high school. Wow! That I was the only disc jockey on so the station. What what
0: is what does sales do in a radio station?
1: The sales department is the true model of the radio station, because why are they in business? Because they want everybody to enjoy the music? Um, Well, one would think when they're enjoying the music that that's the model, but the true model is that they're making money. Right. Uh, The more people who listen, the more they could charge for advertising to to clients who want more customers, customers like you, when you're listening to that music you enjoy so much. So that's the model.
0: Gotcha. So what were your customers like?
1: They were customers that, uh, in many cases, couldn't afford the larger, more established, more mainstream radio stations at their advertising rates because they had much larger audiences, uh, but perhaps uh, largely disinterested audiences mm-hmm. who maybe weren't motivated to buy any particular product. So you would hear the regular advertisers on those stations like Pepsi and Ford and Chevy and, and you know, uh, the things that you would hear every day, Kleenex ads, Right. But on, on KNAC, the advertisers were going specifically after a, a uh, marketplace with considerable, um, well, the perception was with less uh, spendable income.
0: And heavy metal headbangers. Headbangers,
1: but they were easy to figure out. They spent all of their money on their lifestyle, and their lifestyle consisted of uh, you know uh, buying some booze and, and going to a show or going to a club right or, or uh, tricking out their pickup truck. Uh, there were some real obvious things that they, that they did. And once we figured out what those obvious things were, all of the advertisers, the nightclubs, the the beer distributors, uh, the the, um, uh, the the truck, uh, the car dealers that sold trucks, you know, all the obvious things, and then uh, the, the music stores, sure. you know, the guitar centers and the mom and pop uh, music stores, they would. Uh, they would advertise the skateboard shops, surf shops, and uh, and that sort of thing. What, it was were the real mis- easy.
0: what were the misconceptions about the audience?
1: Well, the misconception was that they were uh, deadbeats, they were criminals, yeah. they were violent, they were all these things. And and I remember this was dis- this was disproven. And I needed to see it too because after a while you start to believe it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I never really did because I thought, hey, there are a lot of cool people in this in this crowd. We had a KNAC night at a, a like a mini NASCAR venue uh, up in uh, the Santa Clarita Valley. I don't know if it's there anymore. It was Saga Speedway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went with you. Yeah. Well, you were the. I think you were the the, was, the morning guy uh, the, the, the the who made the appearance and was there and, and did the whole thing. So what I set up, I had f- four different bands come out. Uh, had a hair metal band. I forgot who it was. Lace maybe. Had uh, Armored Saint. Uh, and had uh, um, uh, Racer, X, Racer X, Paul, Paul Gilbert and his, yeah. his buddies. And there might have been one other group. I forget who it was. But uh, what I did is I convinced the Speedway to let uh, one representative from each band get inside somebody else's car and race.
0: I remember. I yeah. remember. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, what they did over there, and we packed the place. There wasn't a seat available.
0: Right. You know, my I, my butt was grabbed by a 13-year-old up there. That yeah. <laughs> there was leather and lace in, it's
1: true. at a race. I don't know how she
0: got to me, but she did.
1: And they hired four times the security that they normally do. Thinking. Thinking that there was going to be all kinds of uh, fighting and and uh, and just outrageous behavior. Turns out, and the, the owner of the place, the, the client I sold the advertising to, came up to me and he said, you know what, we have we have more trouble with the country western crowd you you guys are pussy cats
0: you know that's an interesting and uh, you know they sent me a plaque for christmas yeah uh, about that very night uh-huh and uh, anyway i wanted to to comment on the uh, you know the whole aspect of security you know their our crowd was amazingly I won't say docile. They were having a great time, and they were headbanging and doing Mm -hmm. all that. But they were not hostile. No. They were not a hostile group. You go to a K-Rock appearance down at uh, Huntington Beach. Somebody wants to hurt someone. Oh, my Jesus. Well, look,
1: here's another example, and you can relate to this as well. You know, we would have these nightclub nights, Red Onion Nights and all that sort of thing. And, and, uh, you know, there were the danceable songs, and then there were the moshable songs. Right. Now, all of the nightclubs, they were concerned about moshing that there was actual bodily harm going on. And, that's, uh, and then they had their, their meathead uh, uh, bouncers at all these nightclubs who couldn't wait to hurt somebody with their meathead and their, and their meat arms, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I would have to, as the sales guy, have to get in the way of their thinking That uh, this was an opportunity for the bouncers to rough somebody up because that's what they were into. A lot of these guys are steroid dudes, you Mm -hmm. know, like part-time football players, and they just liked hurting people, and they loved hurting headbangers for some reason. But uh, I'd say, look, don't place your bouncers on the dance floor while the mosh pit is going. (laughs) Set them back in the in the shadows somewhere, and just let them watch and realize that they do the moshers do want to hit each other a little bit, and that's part of the thing and If somebody gets hit and they fall down, don't rush in and beat heads. Watch the guy; he's going to shake it off and get up and get back into the pit. Right, and that's exactly what happened every time. And 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 everybody was uh, better friends after they got into the mosh pit and got out alive. And the bouncers eventually start to dwindle in numbers over weeks. And then the the nightclub owner said, "Okay, fine, we're we're okay with moshing."
0: Right. We had so many misconceptions about that audience. I have one of my interns now today is a uh, Pierre Bisca Chippy is a vice president with Morgan Stanley
1: and the best last name ever.
0: Best last name ever a basque uh, a fine member of the basque community in downey oh area. all right he'll and, be thrilled
1: uh, to know that uh etta is disarming this week
0: <laughs> well okay very good well um but at any rate another guy uh, i met he did one of my a lot of my phone contests a guy named joe bogdan he's a Intellectual property attorney and a college professor at the University of Chicago. Wow. So oh, come on, these are our people. He was, I met him, He's going to USC as sure. he was in law school. Yeah. Well, many, many misconceptions about KNAC and our audience in particular. Um, before we get into w- your air work, yeah. um, let's just talk a shade of, of, about a few things that you're doing now as a KNAC graduate.
1: All right, yeah, because there, there are more than a few. I'm the public address announcer for the Anaheim Ducks. That's the high-profile one that everybody likes to hear about. Right. Yeah. And uh, back in the day, I remember all the the employees and a lot of the fans, because the Anaheim Ducks didn't come around until 1993, uh, were all Kings fans. And to this day... I still get ribbed by a lot of uh, old KNAC fans who stay in touch on Facebook and other places, you know, that I'm the duck boy, (laughs) you know, and they're all. A lot of Kings fans in the KNAC audience. Yeah, but but I've always felt the connection between uh, hockey and heavy metal and have, have pushed the heavy metal music over at Honda Center where the Ducks play because they haven't always been inclined to do so. And the more we do it, the more people say, you guys play the best music. And when the Kings fans come, they say, you guys play better music than we do. Nice. Yeah. So um, the... Uh,
0: How about radio gigs?
1: Radio gigs. I've been uh, uh, a news anchor for many years up until 2014 at uh, a, a bygone station in Los Angeles, KFWB. Um, and I expect to be on the radio again soon. Can't say anything about that just yet. Um, but the uh, prior... It w- it's weird. I went from being a disc jockey on KNAC right. and, and a promotional voice to... Um, Doing the news and doing talk shows, yeah, which is weird, <laughs> yeah, uh, because people say, "Hey, yeah, I heard you doing the news," and I said, "Yeah," and before that, I was a heavy metal DJ. Right.
0: What? <laughs> what? What? Yeah.
1: Right. And then uh, the uh, the other thing I do is a, a variety talk show. It's a podcast called Phil Hewlett and Friends. Right. You could find it on your iTunes or whatever it is that you use, whatever app.
0: So I've been on it a couple of times, and I appreciate the exposure. And, and that, that was fun. to expose myself. Yeah. So um, we will get into your KNAC airwork the next time on Thrash Pie Radio. Yeah, there you go. So that's the Thrash Pie Radio podcast for this time. Please, your comments and uh, anything you'd like to say, hit me up on the Facebook page or Thrashpyradio at gmail.com. Give us a like and a share. Keep your eye on your Facebook page for the next fresh by radio podcast